You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about organ donation and the African-American community. About 30% of the total candidates um, currently waiting for transplants are are African-American, but only about 14% were organ donors in 2015. And of those, about 73% of those donor organs those organ donors were deceased. My guest today is Dr. Danielle Paget, a spokesperson with Gift of Life. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Darren. Uh, tell first of all, before we get started, tell us a little bit about, little bit about um, your background um, and uh, why um, you are working with uh, the gift of life. So I have, uh, like you know, many other people in the community, have had a lot of connections to uh, Gift of Life Michigan. Uh, probably for me, it's been over the last two or three years. Um, you know, coming in to do webinars and be a part of their programming, and last year. Uh, my organization, uh, Legacy Communication and Research, uh, worked with Gift of Life on a focus group uh, project to better understand uh, some of the reluctance among our underrepresented groups about uh, organ and tissue donation. And so we were looking to examine uh, some of the myths and misinformation in the community and reasons uh, for the reluctance. One of the things that we know is these are communities that are high on the list of need for organ and tissue uh, donation, but low when it comes to uh, actual participation and signing up for the donor registry. Uh, And so we set out to really explore that because you can't bring about change unless you really understand uh, what the issues are. Sure. And that sort of leads me to um, my next question. Obviously, I gave the numbers um, about – how low it is in terms of uh, minority communities. And so the question that I'm curious about is why are we represented in so low numbers and what can um, people of color do to increase uh, the number of organ donors? Well, I mean, that's actually an excellent question, Darren, because among, um, you know, this the community that you're talking about on your show today is the African-American community. And when you look across uh, the country and look at a lot of the literature on uh, attitudes toward organ and tissue donation, it's really across uh, many of our multicultural communities. And so also Arab American populations, uh, Latinx populations, and uh, others. Uh, But what Gift of Life Michigan wanted to do was to focus on African-Americans, Arab-Americans, and Latinx and really explore this issue. And, you know, one of the, you know, it's really uh, there between some of the groups, it's, it's common, uh, you know, some of the reasons for the reluctance is common across groups and for others it's very unique. 
And so when you look specifically at the African-American community, one of the things that is unique about this population is that a lot of the um, myths and misinformation and just, you know, pure, you know, reluctance, because some of that reluctance is valid, it's based on social history. And so when we look at things like uh, the Tuskegee experiment, you know, that's not a myth. When we look at uh, other things that were done to African-American populations uh, post-slavery and uh, populations with mental illness in our country, uh, there is a lot of reluctance from that. Uh, the other thing that we've learned about multicultural communities is that they are often uh, more communal and, you know, they talk to one another and rely on one another. And if one person has a negative experience, word travels. And that becomes uh, more of a collective experience. Uh, and so when it comes to making decisions, this bears on our decisions. Uh, and so, you know, it's when you asked about, you know, what can we do to begin to uh, combat this and address it, um, one of the things that we know is that when communities are armed with information and accurate information, that they can make better decisions. So in this case, uh, Gift of Life Michigan decided uh, that they wanted to launch a campaign, and this is a uh, multicultural community awareness campaign that is going on uh, this year. Um, we had a kickoff event May 23rd, and throughout the summer, we're going to be hosting dialogue circles in the communities. And a lot of this stems from what we learned last year when we did our focus groups. One of the, the major themes that came out through the focus groups is, as an organization, we have to get out into the community and be in touch with the community. Uh, Gift of Life Motep has been uh, in the community, and not just in Detroit, but across the country uh, for years. And there have been a number of interventions that have been uh, targeted at or focused on uh, African-American communities and other communities with some success. So when we launched out to think about, you know, dialogue circles, you know, the theme for the circles is let's talk, because we know that for these communities, we need more information. And the way to do that is to begin to bring people to the table and have these conversations. Uh, one of the things that we learn from many people who have stories about organ and tissue donation experiences is we have to begin to have this dialogue before it becomes critical. Uh, and so before uh, organs begin to fail and our loved ones have to be put on uh, a donor list or a recipient list, um, you know, before uh, end-of-life care, before terminal illness. So, you know, we know that these communities are often uh, more predisposed to illnesses um, that require uh, them to have uh, an organ uh, transplant later in life. So we want to combat this. You know, the best way to do that is to get ahead of it and not to be drugged behind it. Absolutely. And so let me let me take a step back because um, before we get into a little bit more detail about some of the things that you guys have got going on, um, but talk a little bit about tell tell us or the listeners a little bit about uh, the gift of life, life, the work that they do. Um, its importance and um, their background and how long have they been around and your involvement with them as well? How long you've been involved with them as well? So it's interesting. The organization uh, has been around as long as you and I have been on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> so they were uh, created in 1971. 
and Gift of Life is is our uh, Michigan organization uh, donated to um, the procurement of organs, um, and they have worked just have a long history. Uh, of decades of working with families and working with hospital staff and working with communities. Uh, and they are, um, as the state's uh, transplant center, they are located in Ann Arbor. And, you know, when we first started this project last year, um, my organization, we went up to uh, their headquarters in Ann Arbor and got a tour of the facility. I was just amazed because Everything that is involved in this process can happen at their facility. And one of the things that becomes clear when you go there is the level of care that they take uh, when it comes to families that are experiencing, um, you know, this need. And uh, the result of it is, of course, uh, transplantation. So they have labs there on site. Uh, they have waiting rooms for families on site. They have a surgical center on site. All of that is there. And, you know, I think one of the things that people don't know uh, about Gift of Life in the way that they should, you know, in terms of the masses of people in our communities is that they have always been there uh, over the years doing work in the community. So it's not like you know, they said in 2019 we want, are going to start doing some things in the community. They've been doing things in the community. But one of the things we learned last year was that the masses of people still don't have that name recognition about Gift of Life Michigan. So that was one of the reasons why we said a campaign like this is very necessary uh, to really make some connections. Uh, one of the things that we're starting to see happen is that individuals are becoming influencers and they're becoming ambassadors, and they're going on social media on their accounts and talking about Gift of Life's efforts and encouraging people in their communities uh, to start this dialogue with their own families and to be an organ donor. Uh, so we have a lot of poignant stories that have come out of our efforts uh, in the community. When we hosted the uh, kickoff event last month, uh, just a few weeks ago, you know, we were just stunned in the audience by the number of stories. Uh, you would be surprised at, you know, how many lives have been touched by this effort. There were pastors there and spiritual leaders from other communities. Uh, there were community activists. There were uh, civic leaders. Uh, there were business owners there saying, hey, you know, what can I do? Uh, and there's something that all of us can do. You know, one of the biggest things that we can do is to check the box, you know, when we go to the Secretary of State and to sign up to be an organ donor. Uh, so many lives can be saved just from uh, one individual checking the box. Okay. Uh, there is one correction I have to make on the first thing that you said. Um, yes. You, you said as long as you and I have been on this earth, you you trying oh, to stop it. You, you're trying to tell <laughs> my age around here. And um, <laughs> according to my, according to what my kids hear, um, if they yes. hear this, if they hear this podcast, you know, <laughs> my kids, I keep telling my kids I'm 42 years old. I wasn't born until 1976. Oh. So well, I need to in that, too. Well, then, you know, you, you know, if you do the if you do the math, you know, yes, be, being born in, you know, 1976 would make you only 42, 43 years old. So, you know, I have yeah. not, you know, aged past, you know. Past forty two, so 
um, I wasn't born until 1976. So I don't know what you're talking about in terms of, you know, it was around long before you and I was on this earth. They were were around long before I was on this earth, just so so that you know. I need to stay young like you, so I'm going to decide that I'm going to be 42 for a while, too. That's we not, are in our 40s, that's, so we can just safely say that we are in our 40s, and we're going to be in our 40s for a minute. Yes, we are safely in our 40s, and I'm going to stay very safely in my 40s. Yes, um, indeed. So so as we move forward, um, discuss the um, dialogue of circles that you guys have got going on. Um, I know you have one yes. going on this weekend, and talk a little bit about the um, other th- uh, three that you have coming up, and talk to me a little bit about um, a um, how they will be um, specifically different. Um, because you know, again, yeah. you've, you've got one, and and I'll mention them. You know, you've got the one Saturday at the corner ball ballpark. You know, in the city. You've got right. uh, you've got one in Mexican Village on June the 29th. Yes. Um you've got you've got one on in the Arab American community at the National Museum in Dearborn yes. on July the 14th. Um and so they all um obviously hit um minority communities but I am I hope that I'm safe to say that they will they will hit uh, different issues, and so talk a little bit about about each of them, but how they will uh, differ in sort of what their message will be. Yeah, so that's a, a really great question, and yes, uh, as a part of this campaign, uh, which is again called the Let's Talk uh, campaign, we are hosting three dialogue circles, and you know, as I said earlier in the podcast. We, Gift of Life Michigan, wanted to focus on uh, these three underrepresented communities, and we thought, you know, what better way uh, to reach them than to go straight to them. Uh, and so that's why when you look at the locations, you see, you know, that we're not hosting it somewhere and saying, hey, if you're interested, you all come to us. It's actually the reverse. You know, we felt like it was very important to actually go and connect with these communities uh, and connect with them in their uh, space and in their environment. So as you mentioned, uh, the African-American Dialogue Circle was the first one that we're hosting. We're excited that just in a couple days we'll be able to uh, host this one, June 15th, at the Corner Ballpark, starting at 10 a.m. And, you know, these events are, are free and open to the public. We do ask that people register uh, by, you know, RSVPing at golm.org. Um, they can go online, and then people can also be a part of the conversation. Uh, so you can follow us at Donate Life, uh, hashtag Donate Life. You can follow us at uh, hashtag Gift of Life Mish and hashtag Let's Talk. Uh, so we are looking forward to that. And as Darren mentioned, um, the J- June 29th one is for the Latinx community, and the July 14th one is for the Arab American community. And, you know, you you asked a really good question about kind of similarities and differences. So some of the key messages, Darren, will be the same across the board. Uh, So when we talk about the reluctance overall of uh, multicultural communities about, you know, when it comes to participating with organ and tissue donation, that goes across the board. Um, But as I started talking earlier, for African Americans, a lot of it has to do with uh, our social history and it has to do with, you know, a lack of, of trust. 
when it comes to uh, medical professionals. That was one of the major things that came out of our discussions with uh, the African-American community last year. And for the Arab-American community, we have, um, you know, discovered that a lo- there are a lot of religious myths, frankly, uh, mm. that prevent many of them from embracing uh, organ and tissue donation. Uh, and so a lot of the evidence uh, that we've been able to gather suggests that when we, you know, partner and, and make ourselves available uh, to and bring together uh, individuals from the faith communities uh, and community leaders, that we will have a better dialogue, that this is a better way of connecting with uh, the Arab American community. And so we intend to do that. When we look at uh, the Latinx community, we understand that, you know, the the role of the family, uh, not saying that it isn't across the board, but particularly with this community, uh, you know, the role of the family is very important. And so, you know, social networks and family ties uh, is is very important in, in making donate decisions. And when I say donate decisions, I'm just saying the decision as to whether or not I am going to be an organ donor. Uh, And so when we talked to the Latinx community, it was interesting because a lot of the people in our focus groups um, were millennials. And, you know, they were saying that, you know, we are more progressive uh, in our thinking, but we are also um, very trusting, you know, of our elders. And so looking to our elders for direction. Uh, And so, you know, we want to respect, you know, across the board uh, these communities and and the dilemma. I mean, you know, when you look at the specific communities, Darren, you know, every community faces its own set of challenges. And so when we look at some of the challenges within this community, um, you know, we have to respect that. Uh, And and that's why I think we're we're pushing uh, this idea of dialogue and just coming to the table. When we first started talking about this particular campaign, you know, of course, we looked at what was going on across the country, and there are a lot of interventions in urban communities relative to organ and tissue donation and really trying to create that shift because the bottom line is we do need more donors from these communities to help save these lives. So if we have an increase in the level of people who need these transplants and not enough of these individuals who are willing to donate organs, you know, what's going to happen? It's disproportionate. So we are definitely uh, trying to change that. But each one, you know, has their unique challenges. And I think, you know, it is incumbent upon us uh, in this this um, organ and tissue donation community to kind of figure out how to navigate that. Uh, because one of the greatest ways uh, to begin to, to change attitudes and beliefs is to bring people information, is to give them access to information. Uh, and so this Saturday, uh, we're going to be hosted by Marielle Liu from Fox 2. Uh, and we're looking forward to having her at our kickoff event. You know, we had uh, Coco, uh, who has had, you know, so many years uh, on the radio, didn't even realize that Coco was a former nurse. So, you know, yes, we're making she was. all these friends. Yes. Yeah, indeed. We're making all these friends and we're making all these connections. And, you know, all of this is bringing about that greater level of awareness and learning uh, in and out of these communities. Okay. Um, MOTEP has done, you know, you mentioned them earlier, and they do similar yeah. type work. So how important is it to sort of work in conjunction with them and not be, um, you, you know, a competition uh, more than anything yeah. else? Um, because, you know, again, you know, you know, I come from a newspaper background. You know, the free press wants to beat the news every day. 
you know, that kind of thing. So there's this competitive edge. But in this kind of work, um, the goal is the same. So how is it, how is it that you guys, um, work in conjunction to make sure that, um, people of color are informed about organ donations on, on both fronts and that no one gets slighted in this, in this process? Yeah, I think, you know, the the biggest way to do that is to pay homage, Darren. It really is, you know, and to honor uh, the work that MOTEP has done uh, for uh, generations themselves. And when you look at the literature, uh, specifically in urban communities, MOTEP is there. Uh, And they're on the front lines of beginning to change attitudes and beliefs about organ and tissue donation uh, in the African-American community uh, and beyond. So, uh, you know, when you look at the the visual, you will see uh, the logos, uh, you know, presented together. And um, when you look at the effort and the work, uh, you will see, you know, the the partnership uh, that needs to happen in order for us to begin to to make great gains. Uh, You know, I think the capacity um, of MOTEP uh, can be strengthened by uh, Gift of Life Michigan and other um, state uh, organ donor organizations, but it, it has to be that that partnership. I think, you know, p- capacity will increase uh, when we realize that, yes, you know, we, we are uh, working together. Uh, when we, um, early in our campaign, we went to uh, a breakfast that MOTEP hosted, and, you know, my team just looked around, and, you know, as we looked around the table uh, or the tables in the room, there was representation from so many, uh, Darren, different organizations uh, in the city and so many, uh, even, you know, the police department, the fire department. And so I think, you know, when you look at organizations like MOTEP, you know, one of the strengths is that they have been able to leverage and bring in uh, all of these individuals together around one cause. Uh, In July, they're going to have a life walk. And so once again, uh, you know, they will begin to leverage uh, all of the relationships that they have in the community. I don't think we could do this work. I don't think, you know, any of the, the organizations could do this work without uh, the, the strengths that uh, organizations like MOTEP have in the community. Okay. And and so how, on a, on a separate note, and they're all intertwined, let me be very clear. Um, but how fulfilling is this work? And... Um, if you could share some of the organ don- donation stories that you've heard, you know, um, in your time um, working. Um, yeah, so we uh, we spent the last couple months, uh, we spent a lot of time with, um, you know, people who have personal stories. And, you know, we put together uh, a video for our kickoff event. And, you know, I remember one of the sessions that we did uh, in Detroit, at one point, uh, you know, during people's interview, like, you know, everybody, I think we had about three or four people that day, and you could look at, at one point in each person's interview, there was a moment. You know, there was a moment that gripped you. There was a moment where there were tears on the set. Uh, you know, this is the kind of connection that we're looking for. Uh, you know, some of the stories that really touched me, uh, you know, one of the stories is actually at Gift of Life, um, and this is a, a man who uh, has worked with Gift of Life for a number of years, uh, whose daughter uh, was an organ donor. Uh, he lost his daughter some years ago, 
and uh, the family decided to donate her organs. And during his taping, uh, we had someone go and get a picture of his daughter. And it was so gripping, uh, you know, in the interview to see, uh, you know, Mark hold the, the picture of his daughter and talk about his daughter's story. So, you know, I, one of the, the stories that I remember, this was a woman uh, in Detroit who uh, is a recipient, and, you know, she talks about going back into the communities. So, you know, the story is not just their story, you know, but they take that story and they carry that story back into the community to better inform the work, you know, the, the broader work. Uh, Jerome Espy is another one uh, in the Detroit community who has begun to work more and more with Gift of Life Motep and um, particularly uh, with this campaign. He was on our panel for the kickoff. And, you know, he has been out front, uh, he and uh, his donor, in talking about the story. You know, I just saw on Facebook this week that, you know, he's celebrating his six-month anniversary with his kidney uh, and, you know, of course, has a living donor. So, you know, these are the stories, you know, we had uh, during one of the tapings, there was another young woman uh, from the Latinx community who is uh, a multiple uh, recipient of an organ, and she talked about being here for her daughter, you know, that her being a recipient has allowed her, uh, has extended her life and allowed her to be here for her daughter. You know, this is the work. These are the stories that undergird uh, the work and really that illustrate why this is so important. You know, when you look at somebody like me, you know, I'm a researcher, you know, I'm you know, that's how I make a living. And, you know, a teacher and a trainer, that's how I make a living. But when I started, um, you know, doing some things with Gift of Life, you know, I, I did what so many people do. You know, I started really connecting with the stories and I started connecting with the work. Uh, and so we are just very proud to be able to bring uh, this campaign to uh, Metro Detroit. And I just hope that this will just be the beginning of the bigger conversation. That's wonderful. That's very wonderful. Um, talk a little bit about. I mean, you've you mentioned it earlier, you and you've mentioned it several times about the panel um, a few weeks back. Um, is there anything uh, that you haven't mentioned earlier about the panel that you wanted to um, reiterate what it meant in terms of? Um, response um, if there was um, people who decided to become donors as a result of the panel, um, any of any of those kinds of things? Well, I think one of the things that the panel did was to help us to understand that there are numerous stories. There's not just one type of, of story uh, and experience that people have with organ and tissue donation. Uh, when we were at the kickoff event, we heard from a young man who talked about how difficult it was, Darren, to have this conversation, how difficult it was to really talk about what he's going through. Uh, this is a young man who is currently uh, waiting uh, on the donor list for an organ. Uh, we heard uh, at the kickoff event from another uh, young woman in the African-American community who is waiting, and she said, you know, I am waiting and I am, I am expecting uh, and so she talked about how important it was, you know, to have an attitude of expectancy uh, that she was not defeated. Both of them talked about having good days and bad days. And she said, while my pain may not be as great as another person's pain, uh, you know, I, too, have good days and bad days, but I have a, a, a spirit of expectancy 
when it comes to, you know, getting uh, back into good health and, and getting a donor. Uh, and so I think one of the things that people can do uh, is to engage this conversation. Don't shy away from it. You know, we had, I remember someone on the video uh, talked about this. They work in health professions, and, you know, they were saying that, you know, a lot of times we don't want to have this conversation uh, because, you know, this is the conversation you have when you're at the end. But, no, we need to have these conversations earlier uh, in life. And, you know, I, I also, before I get off the call, I wanted to make sure that I leave the listeners with, uh, you know, some things that we can do, you know. And so we, at the kickoff event, we put out a call to action, and we were really thinking about, you know, how can people really engage this work continuously, right? So outside of just a kickoff event or a dialogue circle. Uh, and so we encourage people to talk to your loved ones about organ and tissue donation. We encourage people to sign up to be an organ donor and encourage others to sign up. Uh, one of the, the uh, dear stories to my heart is a person that I grew up with in church, and she's going to be at this uh, Saturday's event, whose son checked the box when he was 18, Darren, hmm. and she lost her son. Wow. But he checked the box. You, you, these, this is what I'm saying. So, you know, he was able to save so many lives because he, at 18, checked the box. Uh, and so, you know, sign up uh, to be an organ donor. Uh, don't ignore uh, that. When you go to the Secretary of State, you know, they have the videos on and they have the signage there, but d don't ignore that. Uh, and, and then also, you know, visit uh, golm.org, you know, that's golm.org uh, backslash let's talk to join the conversation. And I think, you know, the last thing is social media. Uh, you know, we know that we live in an age of social media and you know we want people to go on their social networks and share the message we want people to use you know the hashtag let's uh let's talk we want people to use the hashtag gift of life mish you know go on there and have these exchanges because i think that's another way that people can be influencers and they can be ambassadors uh so that we can save more lives okay and before i let you go, uh before i let you go um, yeah. Please talk to me about what ne what's next as it relates to this issue and then give me your final thoughts about everything that we've talked about um, this afternoon. Yeah, so what is, uh, what's next for us, uh, like I said, the dialogue circles will be dispersed throughout the summer months. And then as we get into the fall, uh, we're going to go back to uh, what I said, you know, the importance of social media. We're going to do uh, a, a Facebook Live and uh, we're going to really encourage another segment of this audience that really has not been uh, engaged at this level in this work. Uh, and so everything cannot just be, you know, coming to a physical space. Some of this is going to take place in a virtual space. Some of this uh, spreading of information uh, will take place in a virtual space. And then in early October, we're going to have a culminating event. And this will be uh, before the holidays get underway. We're going to have a culminating event because one of the things, uh, you know, the other things that we know, Darren, is, you know, this kind of um, push, you know, that we're doing to increase information about organ and tissue donation, uh, you know, later in the process is just one part of it. The other part of it is helping people to understand, you know, healthy lifestyles that will prevent you from needing to have an organ transplant. Uh, in your lifetime. Uh, and so, you know, for something uh, 
that is so consuming. Uh, it, it takes time for a body to uh, receive, you know, and, and, and function uh, at capacity uh, with another organ. You know, it is a major procedure. And I think the more conversation we can have in the medical communities, in our spiritual communities, and even in our communities and our homes about uh, the lifestyle that we live. Uh, I had mentioned earlier Jerome Espy, uh, and, you know, hopefully you'll be talking to Jerome Espy because he has such a wonderful story, but he talks about that, you know, and part of his testimony is, you know, that he, this whole experience now, you know, being a kidney recipient, this experience has really taught him about the importance of preventative measures, right, living a, a healthier lifestyle. And so, you know, I started out our whole conversation saying that when people are uh, armed with accurate information and when you give them information, they can make better decisions. So, you know, we are going to just celebrate uh, at the end of this campaign with a culminating event, and it's going to be um, movement. And we're going to bring people together. You, We're going to be... Um, You'll be hearing your audience. We'll hear more about that one coming up. Uh, but we've got media partners. Uh, Fox 2 is on board with us, and iHeartRadio is on board with us. And, you know, we really thank them because they have made a firm commitment uh, to this work. Uh, and so we just, you know, appreciate that commitment. And like I said, you know, we're going to be uh, ending this with a big celebration uh, because there have been so many people, Darren, over the years, not just this year, that have served as ambassadors. And, you know, when you talk about what's next, one of the things that we're hoping to do is to gain influencers uh, who will agree uh, to take on uh, specific aspects of this, this task uh, of dispersing information. You know, this cannot be a one and done. Uh, this is definitely something, as we look at interventions across the country in urban communities, these are multi-year um, initiatives, so it, it can't stop here. It, it has to continue so that we can save more lives. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Danielle Paget. I appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, you have me back. Yes, I definitely will have you back. I definitely will get you and maybe Jerome together um, on on, a, on another podcast, and and we'll uh, keep this conversation going because clearly it, it is. Um, a, a very important conversation to have and, and to get it out to people to uh, be able to understand uh, its relevance uh, is something that we, you know, want to promote here. And so yes. so with that, this is the uh, end of Beyond the Headlines for this week, and we will see you all next week. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines. Thank <laughs> you.